You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Amen. As you're being seated, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Do have our notes available for you in our Google Drive folder? Encourage you to access those if you would like to follow along today or to reference those at a later time. Told you that I, I really enjoy this time of year because it serves as uh, just an opportunity to reflect upon what God has been doing and also to look forward to, to forecast, to uh, to make plans and strategies for how to use the upcoming year. And so I always enjoy the week after Christmas just kind of reassessing uh, what God has done over the previous year and, and then also kind of prayerfully thinking through uh, plans and desires and goals for the upcoming uh, year as well. We have been talking in the book of Revelation about um, the war that Satan brings upon Christians in response to his failure to unseat Christ in the heavenly places. And uh, we see that his failure results in him bringing attacks and persecutions and temptations and troubles upon Christians. And uh, prior to Christmas Eve, we had said that Christmas reminds Christians that we are at war due to our allegiance to the Messiah, meaning we must fight and prepare for attacks while expecting victory based on God's provision. And so we see uh, God rescuing his people in the wilderness. We see Satan hurling attacks through that uh, picture of the flooding waters, and yet we see God opening up the earth to swallow up those waters. And we said ultimately that, 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 that Satan is attacking Christians, and Satan wants to defeat Christians, and Satan roar, roars like a, like a lion, and he roams the earth seeking to devour. Um, but ultimately, we see victory being attainable for Christians. And as we look to the new year, I think it's appropriate for us to to tie in what we've been talking about in Revelation to this idea of looking towards 2018, uh, realizing that Satan's going to pursue us in 2018 uh, because Christ has defeated him and, and we're al- aligned ourselves with Christ, and so he wants to come and attack us. And we can be reminded that God's going to provide divine protection for us in 2018 and divine deliverance from Satan's attacks in 2018, but we have to prepare to fight and to... Uh, to withhold those attacks by being prepared for them. And so um, we had talked about being able to operate from a position of victory, realizing that Satan is defeated. He is a defeated dragon, uh, that he's flailing around in his last attempts to wreak havoc before Christ returns. We do have that divine help that comes, and we can fight the war with others. The local church is the best place to avoid the attacks of Satan. Ephesians 4 talks about the fact that the, the, the local church has been given by God to protect Christians, that everything is within the local church necessary to protect a Christian from the attacks of Satan. Um, I told you I wanted to take a break from Revelation today, and I want us to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm going to read for you now the, the text that we'll actually look at, but we're also going to read portions of chapter 1 uh, later on to kind of set the context. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power 
so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says he's praying for something. He's praying for something very specific that God would fulfill every resolve for good in the lives of these believers. So we talk here at 2018 about resolutions, things that we are going to resolve to do, things that we are going to plan and be determined to accomplish in the upcoming year. And so I want to look and see what Paul has to say about resolutions, what he has to say about resolving to do good things and how those things can be accomplished in our life. From a summary sentence standpoint today, God is worthy of you resolving to do good. And when you pray for God's power and trust in his promises, the work you accomplish in 2018 will result in the glory of Christ, which is a sign of your own future glorification. God is worthy of you resolving to do good. Man, if there's, if there's anything that I want you to hear today, it's the idea that you have a responsibility to make plans to do good in the upcoming year because God is worthy of that, right? God is worthy of you using the time that he gives you this year. And some of us may not make it to the end of the year. I don't know. But the, the days that God gives us moving forward, he is worthy. He is worthy of you using those to do good. So, so we show God's worthiness. We show Christ's worthiness by using the time that has allotted to us, by using the year 2018 to do good things, by choosing to do good things, by being very intentional to plan to do good things, by setting resolutions and resolving to do good things. We are showing that we believe God is worthy of that type of action. God is worthy of us resolving to do good. And what we find in this passage is that when we pray for God's power and when we trust in his promises, and by trusting in his promises, our resolve to do good turns into works of faith. And we're going to see that. The work that you accomplish this year will result in the glory of Christ. And what we're also going to see that Paul says here is that when we are working for the glorification of Christ, we are showing ourselves to be glorified one day in the future. Like we are showing evidence that we have truly been called, that we are being made worthy of that calling by God's power working in and through us. It's a sign of our future glorification that we have been called. And as Romans 8 says, we will be glorified because we have been called. Okay, so when we show a desire to do good, we're showing that God is worthy. When we pray for God's power, when we trust in his promises, it ensures that our work will result in the glory of Christ. And that's a sign of our own future glorification. For our kids, we should strive to do good things because God is worthy of our obedience. We should strive to do good things because God is worthy of our obedience. In light of the fact that Satan is going to attack this church and attack individuals within this church because of Christ's certain return for his people, man, it necessitates that we try to do everything we can in 2018 to do as much good as possible for the glory of Jesus Christ, right? We don't do good to better ourselves. We're not doing good to enhance our lives. The focus, the purpose, as we sit down to make resolutions, if there's any other end goal, then then we've failed in our resolutions. If there's any other end goal than seeing Christ glorified, then we need to step back and rewrite those things. Because Paul says every resolve to do good ought to result in the glory of of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to try to show you how some of the resolutions that we typically think about can be used 
for the glory of Christ. Okay? But it's a matter of taking it to the point of, okay, the purpose in me doing this, the reason behind me doing this is to see Christ glorified. All right? Um, some introductory thoughts. The word resolve means to settle or to find a solution to a problem, to decide firmly on a course of action, or to develop a strategy so that you plan for something to happen. Let me say that again. To resolve, to make resolutions, is to settle or find a solution to a problem, to decide firmly on a course of action, or to develop a strategy so that you plan for something to happen. We've said this before. Uh, You don't drift into holiness. You don't drift into sanctification. You don't accidentally wake up and realize that you become more like Christ, right? Obviously, the Holy Spirit's power is what conforms us to the image of Christ, but we're also told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that we have a personal responsibility to take steps, to take action to ensure that our sanctification happens, right? You come to church, you gather with believers, you sit under the teaching of God's word so that the Holy Spirit can move and work in your life, right? He's not going he's to impact you with the word of God by, by sitting at home and sleeping in and not attending a local church, right? Like there, there's, a, there's a part where you play, you come, you actively gather, and then in response to that gathering, God moves as he promises to move, right? He works as he promises to work, all right? So developing a strategy so that you plan for something to happen, not just assuming that you'll drift into sanctification, drift into holiness, but making steps to ensure that the Holy Spirit accomplishes those things in our life. Scripture gives us examples of men who resolved or planned to live in such a way for a particular reason. Daniel chapter 1. You remember Daniel and his friends had been captured as part of the Babylonian captivity. They had been thrust into a godless culture where compromise was all around them, temptation all around them. And we're told in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. Right? Daniel wants to continue to live by by the laws that God has given about food and drink. Now, he's already resolved to do this previously in his life. This is already a habit to him. But he's now put into a difficult environment where it would have been easy to let his guard down on some of these things. But it says that he resolved, he made intentional plans to ensure that he didn't have to break those things, right? Like he, he, he develops a strategy. He even comes up with a solution. So he goes to the people that are responsible for feeding him and says, look, I can't eat this stuff. I can't drink this stuff. Here's the alternative. Give me these things. These are things that I am comfortable eating and drinking. And then he even, in his strategy, in his planning, concocts a a way to show them, to alleviate any concerns that they might have, that this will work, right? Like he says, test me, and if I'm not as strong and as wise and as competent as the others that are eating and drinking this stuff, then we'll change my diet. But I think you're going to find that my diet will sustain me in ways that it's not sustaining other people, right? So he had strategized, he resolved, he said, I'm not going to do this. And I'm going to ensure that I don't have to. I'm going to plan purposefully. I'm going to resolve purposefully to make sure that I can do this, right? So he took steps. He took plans to make sure that he could abide by God's laws for him. Acts chapter 19. Acts 
verse 21. Now, after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Paul was making intentional plans. He was resolving by the leading of the Holy Spirit to go certain places, to do certain things. Why? For the advancement of the gospel, for the planting of churches. Ultimately, in places where the gospel had not gone, had not gone where churches had not been planted, right? He was resolving to do these things. He was making plans. He wasn't just sitting back and saying, hey, maybe these things will happen this year. Maybe these things will happen in the coming months or the coming weeks. Maybe I'll come in contact with some people and be able to make some, some plans to plant a church. Man, he went after it, right? Like he charged after it. He pushed forth with it. He made plans. He resolved in his spirit to go and do certain things to make sure that the gospel went forth, right? But I, what I want you to see in the context of this is that, that it's right and it's appropriate in this time of year to think about things that we plan to do this year to show some foresight, to show some planning, to resolve to do good, that it's very biblical to seize this opportunity to do so. If we are to glorify God in all that we do, passages like 1 Corinthians 10 and Colossians 3 talk about us being very intentional in the things that we do to honor and glorify Christ in those things. If we're to glorify God in all that we do, it would make sense that we resolve to do certain things in order to move us forward in our sanctification. Philippians chapter 3. Let me read that again to you. If we are to glorify God in all that we do, it would make sense that we would resolve to do certain things in order to move us forward in our sanctification. Philippians 3 verse 12. This is a familiar passage. A lot of, a lot of pastors are probably reading this today in the pulpit. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It's this idea of not being content with where we've come, desiring to go further, right? Desiring to push forward desiring to see God change us, desiring to see God continue to sanctify us. Man, it's, it's great and refreshing to talk about what God's done in 2017, right? It's great to reflect back on the praises and the ways that we've seen God move. But man, we shouldn't be content with that, right? Like we shouldn't be, be kind of satisfied with what God has done. Man, God wants to do far more than we could ask or think, right? Like he wants to continue to bless us. He wants to continue to grow us. He wants to continue to challenge us. He wants to continue to carry us. Like both positive and negative things that we look back on 2017, man, there were times where, where things were not desirable for us in 2017, I'm sure. And God carried us through those things, right? Like he grew our faith. He increased our trust in him. He's going to bring some undesirable stuff in 2018 too, right? Because he desires to increase our faith and increase our trust in him. There's some great things that he did in 2017, and he's got great things in store for 2018 as well, right? We, we think about the things in 2017, but man, we look forward to what God has in store in 2018. We push forward. We strain forward to what lies ahead. We press on towards the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Resolutions help us plan how to work out our salvation for the upcoming year. We've referenced this passage already, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now 
not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Like we'd all agree that we have a responsibility to work out our salvation, right? Like, like that's very clear in scripture. We may not be very clear in the answer to this question. How do we plan to work out our salvation in 2018? Right? Like what specific plans do you have to work out your salvation this year? What do you plan to do to grow in your faith this year? What resolve for good do you have? What plans and strategies are you going to put in place to make sure that, man, things that you don't defile yourself this year, right? That you push the gospel forward this year, that you play a role in that, right? Daniel resolved to not defile himself. Paul resolved to push the gospel forward. How do you plan to work out your salvation this year? Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 now. And let's read starting in verse 3. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness of faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. When we went through this, this chapter uh, previously as a church, we emphasized the fact that Paul is praying at the end of this chapter for these people that he's talking about here at the beginning of the chapter. These are people that he gives thanks for, that their faith is growing abundantly. They have a love that's increasing for each other, right? They're, they're, they're laboring through persecutions and afflictions, and they're enduring those things. And yet Paul feels very compelled to amp up his prayers for these people, that God would accomplish every resolve for good in their life. Verse 5, this is evidence, the fact that these things are happening in their life, right, that they're growing in their faith, their love for each other is increasing, that they are weathering the storm of persecutions and afflictions. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Paul says, man, this is, an, this is a sign, this is evidence that you are worthy of the kingdom that God has called you to because he is doing these things in and through you. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to, the, to you who are afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his might, when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power, so the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the timeline here. Paul's saying, man, this is what's true about you right now. You guys are growing in your faith. You guys are increasing in love for each other. You're enduring persecutions. You're making it through afflictions. This is evidence, this is a sign that you are saved, that when, when Jesus comes back, you're not going to be judged, right? Instead, he says, you're going to marvel at his appearing, right? And, and then what he continues to pray for, basically, is that they would marvel at Jesus right now, right? Because we're not going to start to marvel at Jesus on the day that he comes back if we haven't been marveling at him leading up to that return, right? Like, if we're not, if we're not in love with Jesus before he comes back, we're not going to fall in love with Jesus when he shows up. 
Right? We're going to be grouped into the group of people that are, that are removed from him, that are judged by him because we've shown that we haven't really loved him. But man, true Christians marvel at Jesus now. They love Jesus now. They resolve to do good now for his glory. And man, when he comes back, like it's a relief, like it's an exaltation type day because our king has come back. Like the king that I've been living for, the king that I've been working for, the king that I've been trusting during difficult times is here. And I'm ready to marvel at him face to face because I've been marveling at him from a distance for a long time. Right? Paul prays here at the end of this chapter that this would continue to happen in these people. He's convinced that they're believers. He's convinced that they're going to marvel at Jesus when he comes back, but he continues to pray for their security. He continues to pray for their growth. He's not satisfied. Like He's forgetting the things that have already happened, like he says in Philippians, and he's pressing on for them, saying, man, I want to see you go further. I want to see greater things happen in you than what have already happened in you. Jesus is coming back, and when he comes back, I want you to marvel at him, and I want everything that you're doing right now to lead up to that great day. All right? Let's look at a couple points here. Number one, as we think about making resolutions this year, as we think about pressing forward and not being content with what God's already done in our life, not being content with the growth that we've already seen in our life, desiring more, desiring for God to continue to challenge our faith, to continue to grow our love for each other, to continue to give us the resolve to suffer and to make it through afflictions. How do we make resolutions this year that will ensure that in 2018 we are working out our salvation and that we are resolved to do good? Number one, make resolutions that are driven by prayer. Make resolutions that are driven by prayer. For our kids, we should pray for God's help to do good. Man, this may be the missing component for you for years in why you've been unable to keep resolutions. You may have never really thought about the fact that for you to keep resolutions that are the type of resolutions worth keeping, right, that aren't generated to make you better, to make you look better, to improve your life. But if you're making resolutions that are designed for the glory of Christ, that are resolved for good things, it necessitates that they be prayed for. It necessitates it. Based on what Paul says here, he is praying for these things to happen. To this end, what end? The end of you marveling at Jesus when he comes back. I'm praying for you that God would make you worthy of his calling, fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. By his power. Make resolutions that are driven by prayer. First of all, Resolve to pray for God to accomplish good in your life. Resolve, for God, or resolve to pray for God to accomplish good in your life. This is implied here because I don't think we typically pray for other people about things if we've not already prayed about it for ourselves. Right? Paul's not praying these things for these people without also praying for himself about these things. Right, like if he, if he is disciplined enough to really sit down and pray for people in his life, to pray for their sanctification, ongoing, constantly, consistently praying for others in their sanctification. And if we pause and think, how often do we do that? How often do we do that? How often do we pray, not for somebody who is sick, not for some special request that has been made known to us. How often do we just simply sit down and pray for other people in their sanctification? How often do we pray about our own sanctification? I have to think that if Paul is, is this persistent in praying for others' sanctification, he's also doing it for himself. 
If we're going to make resolutions this year that stick, that happen, if we really are going to resolve to do good, if we're going to accomplish the glory of Christ this year through our actions, it starts with prayer. And it starts with praying for ourselves that God would accomplish good in our life. Not that God would give us good things, but that God would do good things in our life, whatever that looks like, that, that he would accomplish good. And he's promised to do so, right? He works good for his children. So we're not talking about God giving us things that we desire this year. We're talking about God doing good through us, accomplishing good things in our life, using us to do good, right? Number two, resolve to pray for God to accomplish good through others' lives. Right? It can't just stop where we're inwardly praying for our resolutions. Man, man, I want to resolve to do good things this year for God. I want to glorify Christ with my actions. I'm going to pray that God gives me the power and the strength and the discipline to do that. that that's absolutely where you should be. But man, you need to take it a step further, and you need to be praying that this happens in the lives of other people as well. Because Paul sets that example for us. He prays that other people's resolve to do good would happen that God would do it through them, that God would do it in them. Listen to this quote. It says, Without prayer for God's help, our most meaningful resolutions will either fade and fail altogether, or even worse, seem to succeed, but fail to say anything significant about God. Before you make any new resolutions, resolve to pray. If you don't resolve to do anything else this year, resolve to pursue change and growth through prayer and not through your own resolve. The implication, to kind of summarize that, that quote, the best things you can accomplish in 2018 cannot be accomplished without asking God to do them through you. Think about that. The best things that you could do in 2018, the best things that you could accomplish the best resolutions that you could make are resolutions that can't happen without, God's prayer, without praying for God's help. You might can make some resolutions and do some things that, that don't require God's help, that don't require you praying for them, but those aren't the best things that you could do in 2018. The best things that you can accomplish in 2018 cannot be accomplished without asking God to do them through you. Because what we're asking for are supernatural type things to be done. Things that result in Christ's glory. Right? You could pick up a book and read how to keep New Year's resolutions from a secular perspective and, and do some things this year. Right? Accomplish some things this year. But man, to incorporate that, that supernatural aspect where Christ receives glory for those things, when, it, when our sinful, selfish selves want to steal glory, Right To see us do great things in 2018, to accomplish great things, to resolve to do good things in 2018 that result not in our glory but Christ's glory, man, that demands that we pray for God's help in that. Because if left to ourselves, we'll botch that. Even if we're able to accomplish things, as the quote says, we'll, we'll fail. We'll fail in our ability to keep those things. All right? Make resolutions that are driven by prayer. Number two, make resolutions that align with your calling. What type of things should we, should we focus on doing in 2018? To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. 
want to take you to a couple different passages that talk about the same idea of being worthy of the calling that's been placed upon us. But it goes back to that summary sentence where essentially what we're saying is we want to show others the worth of Christ by the way we strive to live. Like that's what it means to live worthy of your calling. It's to live in such a way where we are showing others how glorious, how worthy, how valuable we think Christ is based on the choices and the decisions that we make. Not to earn his favor, not to gain his favor, right? But to show others how valuable we think that he is. Think about it from a wedding standpoint, right? You, you uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a male, you secure the woman as your bride through the proposal, right? Like you propose and, and she says yes, and then all the things start. And while, while you could still break that off at some point, typically uh, engagements are going to end in, in, in weddings, right? And so you, you've, you've gained the love and the trust of that individual, and then the wedding day comes, and, and you prepare yourself in such a way that you want to be, you want to present yourself as best as possible. Why? Not, not so that the bride loves you more, not so that the bride accepts you more, right? You, you want to present yourself in such a way that you show everybody else, man, this person is so valuable. I want to look my best today on my wedding day. I want to show the value of the one that I'm marrying in the way that I present myself. That's what it means to, to live worthy of your calling. We want to show Christ's value to others in the choices and the decisions that we make. Not because we're trying to earn Jesus' love for us. We've already gained that. Right? Like we, we've gained his favor. We, we've, we've got our sins forgiven. We've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ. We are showing Christ's value in the decisions that we make, in the way that we choose to live. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For our kids, we should live obediently if we're truly a Christian. Number one, resolve to live consistent with Christ's kingdom. Paul tells the church, the same church here, he says, I exhort each of you, I encourage you, I charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory, right? When we, we're looking here at Revelation, we're looking at the future, we're looking at things that God desires, that the coming kingdom, we should be living consistently with that today. The desires that God has for the future, the eradication of sin and, and, the, and the removal of Satan and, and the defeat of death, and these are things that we should desire right now and that we should reflect that in the choices and decisions we make. We should live consistently with Christ's kingdom. Our resolutions for this year should be in alignment with Christ's kingdom. Number two, we should resolve to live consistent with the gospel. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you. And this is what it means to be worthy of the gospel of Christ, that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Live consistent with what the gospel says about us. Resolve to live, number three, consistent with those things that please the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Right? Like Paul says, I want your knowledge about God and his will and spiritual wisdom and understanding to increase in your life. Why? So that 
you can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul says, I want your knowledge to increase. I want it to translate into the way that you live your life, that you're bearing fruit in every good work. The implication for us is that while we do not seek to become worthy of our calling, we are called to live worthy of our calling as a sign that we're truly called. We're not trying to earn God's favor. We're not trying to become worthy of our calling. We are called to live worthy of our calling as a sign that we are truly called. It goes back to 2 Thessalonians 1 where, where Paul references these same people as people that are already worthy. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. He describes them as being considered worthy of the kingdom of God. He describes them. This is evidence. The fact that these things are happening in your life, it's evidence that you are called, that you are worthy of the kingdom of God, that God is accomplishing what needs to be accomplished in your life for you to marvel at his return. We live worthy of our calling. Number three, Make resolutions that are good and glorifying. Make resolutions that are driven by prayer. Make resolutions that align with your calling. And make resolutions that are good and glorifying. He says, I'm praying for you that God would make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God in the Lord Jesus Christ. For our kids, we should honor Christ in all that we do. We should honor Christ in all that we do. All right, number one, resolve to do as much good as possible. Our resolutions should produce good both for us and for others. Our resolutions should produce good both for us and for others. When you sit down to think about working out your salvation this year and things that you desire to do this year, goals that you want to set, resolutions that you want to make, man, how do they tie into the good things that God desires, both for you and for others? How will the things that you set out to do be good for you and good for other people? Man, that's a question that you should be asking. And don't, don't set goals and desires to do things this year if it's not going to produce good, right? It should be good for you. It should be good for others around you. Right? You can make decisions to, to handle your finances differently in order to free up the opportunity to give more money away. Right? That's, that's a good end to that goal. And we're going we're gonna to resolve to do this with our finances this year, to set a budget, to operate within that budget so that we have money to give away to others. That's a, that's a resolution that can be made that results in the good, both of you, to live within the, the means that God has given you, but also it results in the good for others because you're now able and enabled to give money away. When our goals are spiritual in nature, they are more worthy of our time. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Right, talking about kind of the motivation here that bodily training is good, it's got value. Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Let me give you an example of this in, in regards to resolutions. You know, a lot of times people set goals for weight loss for the upcoming year, right? 
the desire is to fit into a certain outfit, to fit into a certain bathing suit by a certain time of the year. And so I'm going to make eating habit changes. I'm going to make exercise habit changes with the goal of being able to do this, to be able to wear this, right? That's got value, right? To pursue that, to fit into a certain outfit is going to produce a healthier you, right? It's going to produce a a more healthy body. It's going to be a better uh, stewardship of what God has given you. But honestly, that motivation may, may run out early in the year, right? But, but if I want to accomplish the same things, but my motivation is, man, I want to have more energy to be able to, to serve within my church. I want to have more energy to be able to invest in the lives of others. I want to be able to, to have energy when I'm done work, done with working, so that I can, I can do some things that are gospel-oriented. I want to, to live longer so that I can make a, a longer investment in the lives of those around me. Now I've taken that and I've attached a spiritual end to that right? Now I've taken what, what had some value, and now I've increased the value of that pursuit, because now that pursuit extends far beyond me looking good in a bathing suit at the beach this summer, to now I'm, I'm, I'm alive, and I'm investing not only in my children, but my children's children, right? Like, if that becomes my motivation, man, that, that, that's a lot... I think it guarantees more that I stick with that resolve to do good because I've increased the value, the end goal, the reward of me meeting this. It now extends far beyond this summer to eternity, right? So, so there's value in some of the resolutions that we set, but if, but if they become attached to the spiritual, if they become attached to the idea of Christ receiving glory, then they have far more value. Resolve to do, to do as much good as possible. Number two, resolve to do so by trusting God's promises. You'll remember in the past, we've talked about trusting God's promises and the idea of faith being interconnected, right? When we talk about our faith increasing, we're talking about our trust in God's promises increasing. He says, I want God, back in 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, I'm praying And this can't happen without prayer, without God's help, without God doing this. I'm praying that God will make you worthy of his calling. How? That that you're resolving to do good things and, and those things are happening. And every work of faith by his power is being accomplished in your life. Our resolutions are to be works of faith. Man, I was really encouraged um, reading John Piper's thoughts on this and, and what does it mean to to go from resolving to do good and that resolution to do something good turning into a work of faith. Let's think about some of the resolutions that we may make and how they become a work of faith in our life. A lot of times you're on social media, you're going to see all kinds of Bible reading plans put out there in the, already this week and in the next couple of days. How do I read through the Bible this year? How do I make a commitment to, to read the Bible every day? How do I make a commitment to read through the Bible by the end of the year, the entire thing, right? A lot of people set that goal. A lot of people make that resolution to commit more time to reading the Bible this year, to commit more time to reading other books this year, but basically to increase the knowledge of God and his will, which is very biblical. Paul prays for that for the Colossians, right? That they would increase in their knowledge of God. So, so how do I... How do I plan to read the Bible more this year? That's, that's where a lot of resources are driven right now, right? So you may make, you may make the resolution to, okay, I'm going to commit to read and study the Bible this year. How does that become a work of faith? 
I love that John Piper connected it to the fact that we make the resolution to read the Bible more this year, and then we believe God's promises about what comes from reading the Bible when we're tempted to be lazy and to sleep in or to rush off to work instead of taking the time that we committed to be in God's word. We, we allow something else to fill in our schedule there and we end up not holding to that resolution that we fight against that temptation by believing the promises of God about the thing that we resolve to do. Psalm chapter one is the, is the passage that he referenced. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. He says, man, you fight You fight against the temptation to back off on your resolution to read the Bible more this year by believing a promise like found in Psalm chapter 1 that the person who spends time meditating on God's word is like a tree who is planted by the streams of water, who yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Because the lie that we're told, the lie that we hear is that for me to prosper, for my family to prosper, I got to get to work right now right? Like I have to get to work. I have to get started on my job today in order to prosper. Whereas scripture says meditating on God's word is what leads to prosperity. The the real type of prosperity, right? The the spiritual, the, the eternal type prosperity. So I love how he connects the idea of, man, make the resolution. Make the resolution to spend more time in God's word this year. And when the temptation comes to not do so, that resolve to do good becomes a work of faith when you when you, when you begin to do it, when you, when you fulfill the resolve to do good by believing the promise of God that says, man, I'm going to stay in God's word. I'm not going to yield to the temptation to go to work right now and to abandon my plan to read and study because God's promised me that the one who meditates day and night is the one that prospers. Giving, giving money this year. Maybe you've, you've made a commitment, a resolution. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get our finances in order this year, right? Like we're going we're gonna to step back. We're going we're gonna to recreate our budget. We're going to be more wise with our money this year. We're going we're gonna to make a commitment to sovereign hope and we're going to commit to give X amount of dollars this year. We commit to give. We make a resolution to do good. And that resolution becomes a work of faith when we believe passages of scripture like 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verses 6 through 8. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. So when money starts to get tight this year, unexpected expenses arise and you begin to make cuts in your budget and you're tempted to say, okay, yeah, I committed to give to Sovereign Hope, but remember, we didn't ask you to commit any certain amount. We asked you to prayerfully come up with what you could commit to give, okay? So that decision was made between you and the Holy Spirit. Now you're tempted to make the cut and say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna honor that commitment. I'm not gonna give as I committed to give in my heart, 
because some unexpected things have come up. Um, and I'm not going to cut out what I'm buying at the grocery store. Right? I'm going to keep buying. I'm going to keep the standard of living of what I'm eating. Or I'm going to keep the standard of entertainment that I've got, but I'm going to make the cut here. We turn it into a work of faith when we say, no, 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 I'm going to believe the promise of God here, that God is able to make all grace abound to me, that I give as I've committed to give in my heart, realizing that God is able to take care of me and make it abound into every good work. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Psalm chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and their wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Man, it turns into a work of faith when we redo our budget in a God-honoring, glorifying way. And then when things arise that press us to, to really decide, do we trust our budget? Do we trust God? Do we trust our income or do we trust God? That we cling to verses that talk about God taking care of us and we make cuts in other ways that we can so that we can continue to give in ways that we've committed to give. It becomes a work of faith when we do that evangelism. Maybe you commit to, to resolve to, okay, I'm going to share the gospel with this person at work, or I'm going to resolve to pray and to witness to this family member. It turns into a work of faith when you're tempted to believe that, okay, I made this resolution, but gosh, if I start really trying to talk to this person, he's going to ask questions that I don't know how to answer, and I'm not going to know what to say, right? Matthew chapter 5, verse 11, or actually uh, Mark 13, 11. It becomes a work of faith when we stick to that resolution based on the promise of Mark thirteen eleven. When they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a situation, a counseling situation, where somebody's asking me something, somebody needs encouragement, somebody needs something, and I begin to speak out of the overflow of the heart of things that I have studied, things that I have learned, things that God's have, God has taught me, that if you had just pegged me on, a, on, a, on the side on a Sunday morning and said, hey, how would you respond to somebody that's dealing with this? It may not be consistent with how I would share it in that time. When the Holy Spirit begins to move and to work and to draw upon previous experiences that, that maybe at any other time you wouldn't have remembered, at any other time you wouldn't have been able to speak to that, man, there's assurance here that the Holy Spirit is given for this purpose. Right? Jesus says, man, I got to go away so the Holy Spirit can come. Why? Because the Holy Spirit does these type of things. Holy Spirit gives us things to say in the time that we need to say them. So we make a resolution to, okay, I'm going to share the gospel with somebody this year. I'm going to commit to evangelizing them. And then Satan's temptation sets in of, you're not going to know what to say. Like that sounded good in January, but here it is May, and, and you, you're not going to know what to say. It becomes a work of faith when we push forward and we resolve to do good in that situation. And it becomes a work of faith when we cling to verses like this where we believe the promises that, man, God's going to give me what to say. Church attendance, right? We as elders have asked you to commit to, to coming regularly, to gathering regularly. 
And the temptation is going to come to start scheduling other things. And that resolution becomes a work of faith when you believe Hebrews 3.13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Man, when you're tempted to, to see your commitment to gathering start to wane, that resolution becomes a work of faith when you believe promises that say, man, by gathering, my salvation gets worked out and sin does not set in and my heart does not become hardened when I put myself under God's word. Resolve to do good as much as possible. Resolve to do it by trusting God's promises, by trusting and, and showing faith in the things that he said. Number three, resolve to exalt Christ in everything that you do. Resolve to exalt Christ in everything that you do. Our resolutions should make much of Christ. See, we should strive to do the, the best things that we can this year that require us to pray and ask for God's help so that he receives the glory. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 11 Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves, let me back up to verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Right? We do things in such a way that we rely upon God's strength so that he receives the glory. As we strive to give glory to Christ, we show that future glorification belongs to us. That's what Paul says here. He says, man, I want, I want to see every resolve for good and every work of faith accomplished in your life so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and so that you can be glorified in Jesus, right? Like he says, I want this to be true of you. I want you to see your calling come to fruition. As Romans eight twenty nine and 30 says, those whom he called, Eventually in that passage, he also glorifies, right? That's what Paul desires. That's what he's praying for. And the implication here is that God shows us to be worthy of his calling by the good Christ-exalting works that he does through us, right? We're not, we're not showing ourselves to be worthy, right? Anything that is accomplished in us and through us is by God's power, it's by our faith in the promises that God's made to us. And so God shows us to be worthy of his calling by accomplishing Christ's exalting works in us. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Same idea here. Paul's praying for the Thessalonians to be sanctified, to continue to grow, to be kept blameless, so that when Jesus comes back, they marvel at him. And how's that going to happen? Well, they're called by the faithful one. And how, are they, how do they maintain their faithfulness? How do they maintain their worthiness? The one who called them is faithful to make sure that that happens. He's the one that does it for them. Right? We work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but it's God who works in us and through us to see that happen. So some application for us today. Making resolutions because of God's grace, by his power, and for his glory. Man, the fact that there's even the hope of being able to change is by God's grace. 
right? The fact that we can even hope for sanctification, the fact that we can even hope to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, that's, that's an act of grace by God that he saved us by Jesus Christ and is now working to change us into the image of his son. We make resolutions for 2018 because of God's grace. We make resolutions by his power and we make them for his glory. Number one, resolve to do good. Make intentional plans with strategies to work out your salvation this year in new or increasing ways. Right, there may be things that you're already doing that you just want to expound upon this year. Increasing ways. There may be things that you're not doing this year, are you not doing that you want to start this year, finding new ways to work out your salvation. Resolve to do good. Man, and, and this is this is this, this only works if you sit down and apply what we've talked about today. For you to resolve to do good, for you to see works of faith happen in your life this year, it necessitates you stepping back, pausing, reflecting, and saying, okay, what do I want to do in 2018? Right? Paul said, I'm resolved to go here and here and here and here and preach the gospel and plant churches. Daniel said, I'm resolved not to defile myself. So I'm going to come up with a plan that allows me to eat differently and to show the people that are actually going to make the decision as to what I eat or don't eat that this is okay, that this will work. I mean, he, he strategized. He planned. Like, had he had a PowerPoint ability, he would have given a PowerPoint presentation to these guys and shown why eating this and this and this was going to be a better option for him, right? He strategized. He planned. He presented. Resolved to do good this year. Number two, pray that by God's power, you will believe the necessary promises to accomplish the good that you set out to do. You can make resolutions all you want to, and you'll fail at keeping them if they're worth keeping and you fail to pray. Pray that by God's power, you'll believe the necessary promises to accomplish the good. You want to read the Bible more? Great. Pray that God will help you believe the effectiveness of doing so, so that early in the morning, when everything inside of you says to do something different, you fight against it and you believe the promise that says otherwise. And then number three, share your resolutions with others so they can pray for you as well. And as you share with others, be willing to pray for others too that share with you. And this is, this is a great activity for, for accountability groups this, this month, right? Make resolutions. Tell your accountability group how to pray for you this year. Accountability group, I want to see this done in my life. I want to do this. I want to set out for this to happen. Pray for me that in my resolve to do good, that that resolve to do good will turn into a work of faith and that my, my faith will grow this year and my salvation will get worked out this year in these ways, right? That I'll forget what, what, what's happened in the past. I will press forward. I will strain forward for that calling. As a reminder, things that we had talked about previously that, that may need to be incorporated into your resolutions this year, these are things that we desire for you as your elders, that you, that you prioritize Sunday attendance, that you gather during the month, that you set aside time throughout the month to get with your accountability group, to get with the men, to get with the women of our church, that you make a commitment to give to our church and you honor that commitment to give. Whatever that is, whatever that looks like, whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do, there's still nine people that haven't made that jump yet. There's still nine people that, that, that they need to do that. Commit to give, and, and not because we need your money, right? Commit to give because of the promises that Scripture say. This is the right thing to do. This is the best way to handle your money. Believe those promises. Commit to it 
and give to it. Plan to serve this year. Here's a, here's a, here's a, here's a big shocker. You know when we're going to do Memorial Day celebration this year and serve in the parade? On Memorial Day, right? Like, is it posted on the city yet? No, no. But here's the shocker. It's on the same day every year, right? Plan to serve this year. Prioritize. The, the, the fundraiser gala is going to be on, on a mid-Thursday in May. It's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be at that time every year, right? The Walk for Life is in August, right? The, the, the Christmas parade, it's the first Saturday in, in, in December when we, when we serve and do trash for that time. The, the car show, I think, is the end of September on the last Saturday of September. These things fall on the same days every, of every year. Plan to serve this year. Go ahead and put it on your calendar before anything else gets asked of you to do on those days. Plan to serve this year. Talk to our visitors. Be hospitable to those that come and visit our church. If these things aren't happening already in your life, man, these things are a great starting point as you start to look to 2018 resolutions to be made. Family worship questions. What are some goals we hope to accomplish as a family in 2018? And then number two, man, sit down and help your kids develop some goals. If they're old enough to be thinking through this, sit down and help your kids develop some goals that they can accomplish in 2018 as well. Resolve to do good this year, but don't just resolve to do good. Actually carry through with that resolve to do good and see works of faith accomplished in your life this year. Paul's praying for it for the Thessalonians. Let's be praying for that for each other as well. Let's share our resolutions. Let's share the desires that God gives us for 2018 with our accountability group. Let's ask, let's solicit prayers for God's help. Otherwise, you're probably bound to see your resolutions not happen again this year. Set goals that result in the glory of Christ, right? Take, take the resolutions that could have some value and give them eternal value. Give them infinite value. Think through how can this be used, not just for the good of me, not just for the good of others, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. How can I take this desire that I have, make it Christ-honoring, how can I show the worth of Christ by seeking to do this this year? Who can I ask to pray for me so that that gets accomplished in my life? So that when we come to the end of 2018, when we talk about what are the great things that God did in 2018, you're just going back through your resolution list. Man, God did this, and God did this, and God did this. God took my resolve to do good, turned it into a work of faith. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this time of year because it does give us a, a, a appropriate time to pause and to reflect, to reflect on the goodness that you've shown us this past year. And God, when we look back on 2017, it may not be all good times that come to mind. For some of us, 2017 has been a very difficult year. But God, we can also look back and see how you've carried us through it. So God, we have much to rejoice about over the past 365 days. Good things that you have done ways that you've grown our faith, ways that you have sanctified us. But God, as we look into the next year, Father, I pray that you would help us to resolve to do good. Not just to better ourselves, but God, that we would resolve to do good for the glory of Jesus Christ. And that we would have such a resolve for that end goal that we would long for it through our prayers that we would long for it by asking others to pray for those very same things. 
God, give us, God, give us big hopes and dreams for 2018. Give us big ideas for things that we can do, resolutions that we can make, resolves that we can have to do good this year. And then, God, turn them into works of faith. God, we're asking for your power to accomplish the things that you desire in and through us this year so that you receive the glory and not us. God, help us to realize the best things that we could do this year are things that are going to require your help, things that we're going to have to pray and ask for you to do. God, we pray those things would be accomplished in our lives. Pray for your glory this year through the things that we do. God, we thank you that as we strive to do good, it's ultimately you that's doing it through us. That it's a, it's a sign, it's an evidence of our salvation that you've called us. And God, we look forward to the day where we are glorified when Jesus comes back and we marvel at his return. God, help us to marvel more and more at him each day from a distance as we look forward to that day when we marvel at him face to face. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.